Um, I'm Morgan Flores and I play for the UW softball team and this is Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello there everybody and welcome back to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. This is the 145th episode of the show. Uh, decent amount of stuff going on this week as we head to the different seasons um, around the R7 teams. The Seahawks heading towards the NFL draft. Mariners in the regular season, the Storm heading towards their training camp, and I believe I've already started their training camp. The Sounders continuing the regular season while also being the CONCACAF Champions League final now. The Kraken getting towards the end of their inaugural regular season. The Rain still in their Challenge Cup, but looking to finish that up. And the Seattle Seawolves um, continuing throughout their regular season. So with that being said, we will start here with our Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks, Seahawks as always. Um with some team notes on the 12th of the month, the Seahawks picked up tight end Noah Fant's fifth year option. Fant would become the first player from that 2019 draft class to have his fifth year option picked up. On April 14th, Seattle re signed quarterback Geno Smith to a one year deal worth up to $7 million. I believe the baseline uh, money on that is $3.5 million, but also, well, obviously, there's some incentives um, to be able to raise that. Uh, with playing time and statistical sort of things. So uh, Seattle, the current quarterback situation is a fight between Drew Locke and Geno Smith, which um, if you told me that two years ago, I would have spit in your face. Um, so just the t- most important notes there are obviously Fant and Smith. Fant, I think that's a good deal uh, to pick up that fifth-year option. Kind of interesting to note that nobody else in that draft class have had that fifth-year option picked up. But he's a young uh, playmaker that, you know, depending on the ability of this offense at the quarterback position, should really be a playmaker for Seattle. I know that the tight end position hasn't always been utilized properly um, in Seattle's offense. So hoping that Fant and his talent and at his young age, uh, that doesn't get squandered. And then with Smith, I mean, Gino has been a backup around the league for a decent amount of time now. Obviously, he spent time behind Russell Wilson and had some decent moments uh, when he was put into action this last year. So not the worst thing in the world. Uh, The money is a little bit interesting. I wonder how much of that is trying to make sure that they kept him in Seattle. Um, But just interested to see now where this sort of quarterback situation plays out because it it seems more and more unlikely to me that Seattle goes with the quarterback at that number nine overall pick in the draft. And speaking about quarterback, also on the 14th of the month, Uh, Baker Mayfield stated that Seattle would be his most logical destination on the You Never Know podcast, also saying that he is looking for uh, stabilization. I don't think he's going to get stabilization if you end up in Seattle. I don't think that Mayfield is the guy, um, like a clear-cut guy for that role. So, you know, looking for stabilization is a little bit weird, and I don't think he would get that here in Seattle. Um, It's just kind of funny to me that he – might be trying to speak that into existence. And I don't really think that's going to fall into uh, come into fruition for him. So, and then uh, just a first round mock pick because doing a whole draft would kind of be, I feel like it would be difficult to sort of um, envision considering how often Seattle makes trades in this draft in the NFL draft. Um, and I expect that to be likely. I don't even know if Seattle will really stay with this number nine overall pick or if they might flip it for another pick in this round and some more picks, but at number nine, I went with offensive tackle Evan Neal out of Alabama. Um, it seems more and more like Seattle will, again, like I said, not go with a quarterback in this pick. 
Um, and with Dwayne Brown and Brandon Shell currently being unsigned, um, uh, you, you know, you got two tackle spots to fill. I know that Jake Curran um, played really solidly uh, last year when he was able to get some time, but uh, that also was Stone Forsyth in the draft last year, not really know where he is in his development. So I think that getting a guy like Neil, who is projected to be a year one starter, uh, could be uh, what Seattle does there at that pick. Also seeing it, it, it really seems like it's going to be an offensive tackle or a cornerback. Uh, Derek Stingley Jr. could be in the mix. I think Sauce Gardner will already be picked by the time that Seattle's name is on the clock. So I at the, at the moment, I'm going to go with Evan Neal. Uh, we're going to take another look at it next week on the well, next week, obviously, on the podcast, of course, but also in the Circling Shell Sports on Converge episode um, in that Seahawks segment. Bill Garcia went offensive tackle as well, but went with Charles Cross out of Mississippi State. As we head over to league news on the 12th, things are getting worse. Uh, in Washington for the commanders. Congress said that the commanders executives and owner Daniel Snyder were hiding revenue from the NFL for over a decade, which is a big deal in case you didn't know that on the 13th, uh, the Raiders and Derek Carr reached an extension of three years, $121.5 million. Um, On the 14th, the Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray is not expected to play without a new contract, uh, which is interesting to see how that all plays out. I know that, you know, since Murray was drafted number one overall, um, taking over for Josh Rosen, who really only got a year, there's been controversy and difficulty down in Arizona, which as a Seahawks, you know, someone's covering the Seahawks, it's good to see. Um, but everything, you know, from the first half collapses to the drama with Murray and, and Kingsbury is, is kind of interesting to see how that situation plays out and wondering whether this is a leverage tactic or there's real smoke uh, leading to a fire there down in uh, Arizona. And then continuing with the news on the 14th, Tom Brady's auctioned last ball uh, was voided. The sale of Tom Brady's last touchdown ball that sold for $518,000 was voided since he unretired. Uh, Lastly, for the 14th of the month, 21 players will be in attendance for the NFL draft in Las Vegas. Uh, Washington Husky cornerback Trent McDuffie will be there. Um, And only two quarterbacks will be in attendance, uh, Malik Willis and Matt Corral. On the 15th, it was announced uh, Debo Samuel uh, posted a video on Instagram uh, stating that he was receiving death threats and racist messages, uh, mostly stemming uh, from, it seems like, a contract issue with the 49ers, where Samuel also, like Murray, deleted all of his posts off social media regarding the 49ers and even unfollowed the team as well. So 49ers fans continue to be emotionally unstable and do not know how to control their emotions. On the 16th, uh, it was reported that the Carolina Panthers are favored to land Baker Mayfield. Carolina reportedly has the inside track amongst teams that are interested in the Browns quarterback. Uh, And interestingly enough, on a post about it, the Panthers wide receiver Robbie Anderson commented, quote unquote, no, with five O's to an Instagram post about the potential of Mayfield to Carolina. So interesting to continue to follow Baker Mayfield's track here. Uh, Also on the... um, on the 16th, uh, Trey Lance believes that he will be the starter in San Francisco this upcoming year. Lance has, quote unquote, gotten indications that he'll be the guy next year amid Jimmy Garoppolo trade buzz. On the 18th of the month, the Washington commanders denied any accusations about revenue. Uh, Washington calls all of these accusations of financial misfeasance uncorroborated in a 102 page document to the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, Colin Kaepernick discussed the NFL in a new interview, in a rare interview, 
Uh, Kaepernick addressed the discussion, the distraction narrative, pardon me, his willingness to be a backup and more. The NFL is investigating the Browns. The league is investigating Cleveland after allegations that the organization pushed former head coach Hugh Jackson to purposefully lose games. And then Mel Kuyper Jr. uh, will work the NFL draft remotely. The longtime ESPN draft uh, analyst will participate in coverage from his home studio in Maryland because he is unvaccinated. So another idiot. Um, So looking ahead for the Seahawks, I know that OTAs began today. Um, Looking ahead, uh, the main thing that Seattle has to look forward to is the NFL draft taking place from April 28th to 30th. And we will have another draft segment for you next week, not only on CSS on Converge, but also on the podcast episode here. Continuing with our Seattle Mariners here, uh, the game recap, we have uh, one game to finish up the Minnesota series, the Chicago series on the road and against the White Sox, and then the Houston Astros series back at home for the first home games of the season. Excuse me. Excuse me again. On the 11th, uh, the team wrapped up their series against the Twins, losing that one zero to four. Oh, that was a series split. That's why. Okay. I forgot that that was a four game series. So, you know, losing in a shutout, no player of the game there on the 12th at the White Sox, losing that one, two to three play of the game uh, designated hitter Eugenio Suarez going two for four with a run and an RBI on the 13th at the White Sox, losing that game four to six player of the game. First baseman Ty France going one for four with a run and two RBIs uh, April 14th at the White Sox, winning that one five to one player of the game. Uh, number one, pitcher Logan Gilbert going five innings, four hits, one run, zero earned on four strikeouts. Play of the game number two, right fielder Jared Kelnick going two for four with a run and two RBIs. And then coming home on April 15th to play on Jackie Robinson Day, the home opener versus the Houston Astros, an 11-1 to one win, an absolute pounding of the Astros. Uh, Player of the game number one, pitcher Marco Gonzalez going seven innings, uh, with four hits allowed, one hit run, one earned run, and six strikeouts. Second player of the game, second baseman and leadoff hitter Adam Frazier going four for five with two runs and four RBIs. Home opener, obviously, like I said, Jackie Robinson Day. Each row would throw out the ceremonial first pitch to the young prospect. Well, not a prospect anymore. Lou Rodriguez, uh, who was in full unit. Well, Ichiro was in his full uniform from 2001. Uh, each row would also record the fastest ceremonial first pitch ever thrown, uh, recorded by StatCast at 84.5 miles per hour. On the 16th in the second game of the series, Seattle would lose 0-4, to four, so no player of the game there. And then April 17th versus the Astros play their first home game on a Sunday. Seattle would win the series against Houston in a 7-2 to win, mostly broken open by our player of the game. First baseman Ty France going 2-4 for four with two runs and three RBIs, a three-run jack. Uh, Two right center field would really help open this game up for Seattle and give them their first win against not only a division opponent uh, this season, but also Houston. So, uh, you know, looking over these recaps uh, of the games, you know, anytime that you win a series, anytime that you want to be a playoff team and you want to be at the top of the division or win your division, you're going to have to win series. I don't care if it's two or three, if it's three or four, you're going to have to win these series or, uh, at very worst case scenario, split them. You're going to have to do so against the quote unquote big bads uh, in your division. And Houston is one of them. I wouldn't really say there's another big bad in this division right now because 
uh, I know that Oakland's had a hot start, but, uh, you know, I, I'd say that's a fluke. So Oakland sucks. The Rangers still have a lot of holes. The Angels can't ever really seem to put it together and still have holes themselves. So um, Houston is kind of your roadblock. And being able to win series against them uh, will be really important. And it's funny to note, uh, a friend of mine points out that you get done playing Houston before the actual trade deadline. So uh, really important to take care of business and not, you know, get out to a bad start this season because of how important those games against the Astros are. The White Sox series was really bizarre because of the weather that played into it. Uh, You know, the rain that factored in. Uh, really impacted that four to six loss. Uh, really, that game shouldn't have been played that day. Um, and then the game in the five to one win, the wind impact, obviously Chicago being the windy, windy city, I guess it's a given, but impacted some of the fly balls, some of the infield flies. Uh, it was really interesting to see that. Um, so we head over to the player of the week section. Uh, my pick this week was JP Crawford in 32 at bats this past week. Uh, had 11 hits, five runs, um, three doubles, one RBI, four t- 14 total bases, six walks, one stolen base, a 365, no, 355 batting average, a 500 on base percentage, a 452 slugging percentage, and a 952 on base plus slugging. Uh, Bell picked third baseman. Well, she wrote third baseman, but he's not a third baseman. First baseman Ty France in 27 plate appearances had seven hits, three runs, one double seven RBIs, 14 total bases, three walks, a 259 average, a 355 on base percentage, a 519 slugging percentage, and an 873 on base plus slugging. So really can't go wrong there with two staples of your infield. And um, I think I said it last week, it's going to be really important if you're going to get offensive production from this lineup that those guys are able to do so, you know, obviously in different ways, um, but those are two guys, you know, offensively and defensively that will be huge for this team going forward. And injury-related news, the unfortunate part of things, on April 13th, uh, right-handed relief pitcher Sergio Romo was placed on injured the injured list with a shoulder injury. Uh, so it sucks to lose Romo to that. Um, had his 800th appearance, I believe, last week. Uh, and this bullpen has already dealt with injuries. So I'm hoping that that injury isn't too long of a stay dealing with his shoulder. Uh, You know, you lose Casey Sadler for the year. Ken Giles is still on injury um, and still trying to properly recover. So just hoping that that isn't too long of a stay on the 16th outfielder. Mitch Hanniger was placed on the COVID IL and would miss a minimum of five days. So he's got a couple days to um, serve still on that COVID list just hoping that is also not an issue as well. And I think it's a safe bet that Hanniger's probably not vaccinated, considering that most of the Mariners are not. And I, well, I know that was the case last season. I don't know how much of that has changed um, over the off season. So hoping that's not too big of an issue and hoping that uh, Mitch is okay. Um, And same with Sergio and team related news on the 13th, the corresponding move to Romo being placed on the IL was that right-handed pitcher Matt Koch was recalled from AAA Tacoma. On April 16th, the corresponding move to Hanniger being placed on the COVID IL was that infielder Donovan Walton, Donnie Walton, was recalled from AAA Tacoma. The team also acquired right-handed pitcher Riley O'Brien on the 16th of the month from Cincinnati in exchange for a player to be named later or cash considerations. I wouldn't worry 
too much about that player to be named later uh, aspect of the news because O'Brien, pardon me for that honk, O'Brien was supposed to be DFA'd from what I remember. Um, interestingly enough, O'Brien was born here in Seattle. So a fun little note there. Um, do, 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 do. As we look over to league notes here, on the 12th of the month, uh, a historic barrier was broken, but with some unfortunate news that came with it. San Francisco Giants uh, coach Alyssa Nakin became the first woman uh, to coach on the field in an MLB game, taking over as the first base coach in their game. On Tuesday, Nakin took uh, the role as Antoine Richardson, the original first base coach, was ejected. Uh, Richardson was ejected for replying to third base coach for the Padres, Mike Schlitt, uh, Schlitt previously coaching the St. Louis Cardinals last year. Uh, from what I remember reading, Schlitt said something about uh, you need to take care, you need to handle that motherfucker, which is really bizarre. And Richardson basically was like, what did you say? You know, um, and the umpire rejected him for reacting to it, which is incredibly bizarre and incredibly bullshit. Uh, I know that the next day following this, that, uh, Schlitt and Richardson talked about it and seemed to quote unquote mended the bridge, but it's, 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 it's really unfortunate and bizarre that the umpire handled the situation that way. Um, and also unfortunate that the, um, history, that barrier had to be broken, um, be because of that. But I do want to highlight Nakin for that, um, and congratulate her because that is history. So uh, looking at the Mariners record, they sit at five and five, third in the American League West. Looking ahead, they have a three-game series against the Rangers and a three-game series against the Royals as this first homestand continues. April 19th versus the Rangers is a 640 start time. April 20th and 21st, those are also 640 start times. So all of those games starting at 640 here in Seattle. Uh, April 22nd through 24th, uh, versus the Royals, April 22nd and 23rd. Uh, April 22nd will be a 6.40 start time, and April 23rd will be a 6.10 start time. April 24th will be a 1.10 start time. So we get that sort of um, matinee game going back there for you. Heading over to our Seattle Storm here, uh, we start, unfortunately, with injury news. On the 17th, it was announced that uh, center Mercedes Russell was treated for a non-basketball-related injury on the 11th of the month and will miss training camp. Updates on her status will be provided prior to the start of the regular season. Now, this, this plays in two different ways. One, I'm really interested to find out what this injury is and how long it will affect Russell's availability, but also it affects, uh, it affects pardon me, our, um, our draft here, and I will note that when we get to it. But also on the 18th, it was announced that Brianna Stewart is easing back into practice after undergoing a minor Achilles surgery last October. So uh, making sure that Stewie eases back into things and not getting into it too quickly. In team-related notes, on the 11th, the WNBA draft took place. The So with the number 17 overall pick, Seattle selected Elisa Cunane, uh, a center out of NC State, sitting at 6'5", averaging 14 points per game and 7.9 rebounds per game in four seasons with the Wolfpack and was a WBCA first team All-American in 2023. I think we already went over this, but uh, last week on the podcast episode, but we're going to check it in again, obviously with Cunane being selected and Russell now uh, going to miss training camp. 
Um, Cunane's going to have some valuable minutes, valuable time in training camp to potentially have a spot on the roster to begin the season as uh, as a center there. At the 18th overall pick, the team selected Lorella Kubaj out of Georgia Tech, then immediately traded her to the New York Liberty uh, for the Liberty's 2023 second-round pick. With the 21 over the yeah, 21st overall pick, the team selected Evina Westbrook, a guard out of UConn. So the UConn lineage still staying there with Seattle, no change there. Uh, she averaged 9.2 points per game and 4.5 rebounds per game in two seasons and is from Oregon. Uh, the number 33 overall pick uh, was point guard Jade Melbourne, a guard out of Australia. She averaged 9.3 uh, points per game and 1.2 assists per game for the UC Capitals during their 2021-2022 WNBL season and represented Australia in the 2021 Asia Cup. So again, I think we talked about it last week, but Melbourne, I think, has been asked uh, to stay in Australia for this upcoming season, because, you know, with Sue birds last season, it's going to be a tight rosters fit. And there's going to be two open uh, guard spots for the storm with Brian January retiring at the end of the year and Sue bird retiring at the end of the year. So something to certainly keep an eye on with Melbourne and her development. They did the same thing with Eddie Mag- as uh, when she was 19. So similar situations there on the 12th uh, in schedule news, we found out the Storm will play a second and final preseason game on April 28th down in Phoenix. Also found out that day that the Storm will be joining Phoenix and the rest of the NBA to support Brittany Griner's heart and soul shoe drive. The team will be collecting donations of new and gently used shoes at their May 14th game versus Phoenix to benefit a Seattle nonprofit that will be chosen by the players. So really nice to see the WNBA doing this, you know, with Brittany Griner still in custody over in Russia, there haven't been any real updates. So any videos or YouTube videos uh, telling you update on uh, Mercedes Russell in the past few weeks are just bullshit because nothing has really happened. Um, But I'm glad to see that the WNBA is doing this and hope that uh, we're able to see some real progress made for Brittany soon to getting her back in the States on the 14th, the storm signed three guards to training camp contracts, Reina Perez, Paisley Harding, and Jenna Giacone uh, in league related newts on the t- newts newts on the 12th ESPN scored the most viewed WNBA draft since 2004 with 403,000 viewers, which is up 20% in relation uh, in regard to no, in comparison to 2021 coverage peaked with 463,000 viewers. Um, I think I talked about this last week as well, but just kind of unfortunate that the way that the league handled the draft this past season with too much of a focus on clothes, asking blanket questions to like every first round pick about their sacrifices and their terrible struggle and how much their parents played a big role in their success because obviously that I'm sure that does to an extent, but you know, these women deserve real questions and real coverage. So that's, that was unfortunate to see. So looking ahead, April 23rd versus the LA sparks at six o'clock. That is here at climate pledge arena circling sales sports will be in the building for that. Um, and excited to get some storm basketball and, you know, just reminded this may be preseason, but considering the importance of this upcoming season, considering the Subers last year and that the storm want to send her out with a title. Uh, these preseason games are going to be really important to see who's going to make this roster and who's going to be able to try and help the storm win that title to send Subert out on top. 
uh, heading over to our Seattle Sounders here. Uh, played two games, two very different games over the past week, April 13th at New York City FC and a one-to-one draw that would ultimately result in a Sounders win uh, because of aggregate. So Seattle winning in leg two of the CCL semifinals with a 4-2 to win on aggregate. The Sounders will play Pumas in the CONCACAF Champions League final. Uh, leg one will take place on April 27th down in Mexico City with a 7.30 p.m. start time. Excuse me, uh, Pacific time. Um, and then leg two will be on May 4th here in Seattle at Lumen Field with a seven o'clock start. That game is nearly sold out um, within the first few days of it. The lower bowl was sold out. Uh, the home side of the upper bowl was sold out. And I think now there's just scraps left. So if you can go to that and you you want to, I would take care of that now before that actually sells out. Um, our player of the game for that win over yeah, that advancing win over New York City FC over in New Jersey because New York City FC plays in Yankee Stadium and that's not up to CCL code um, was goalkeeper Stefan Fry with a 8.1 match rating and seven saves. Uh, the expected goals for New York City were 3.2 and Seattle only gave up one. So that's pretty good if you don't know how the stats work in that regard. Um, and Steph did a great job in helping keep the Sounders uh, in that game and ultimately able to advance to the final there. So that's big news, and we do have some more on that um, regarding that. Uh, but we'll keep it with the game recaps here. On the 16th, uh, the Sounders came back home to play Inter-Miami. CF um, and MLS play, losing that one zero to one No player of the game there. That was just an unfortunate game. Uh, as it looked just like the Sounders' other two losses that they've suffered this season. Um, no no losses in CCL to this current point in time, and um, three of them only in MLS. Uh, and all three of them, I believe, have been 0-1 to losses, and it's just they've looked really offensively stagnant um, through most of the games. And then a in the Nashville case, a late goal in the other two cases and around halftime goal ultimately puts the game away and the Sounders are left upset and frustrated. But I'm not too exactly worried about it because, you know, you're dealing with CCL. Um, you had some players. Yeah, you're dealing with CCL. And that's the focus at the time. But would have liked to get this game, get this win against a team that only got their first win of the season last week against uh, New England, which is funny to see the way that New England is this year. They're certainly not who they were last year. Um, yeah, and they're the Miami is like at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. So a frustrating, a frustrating loss, but I wouldn't sound the alarm just yet, um, like I've said after those other two losses. Um, so no injury notes for you, really. Um, as we head over to team notes on the 11th, Garth Lagerway, general manager of the Sounders, spoke on trying to bring back DeAndre Yedlin. He said that the team has tried several times over the last few years to try and bring Yedlin back. Uh, Yedlin, an Ode High School graduate and a Seattle native. Uh, but ultimately, the cost to bring him back was too big, especially when the team already felt comfortable with their right back position. So it's saying essentially that the pros for the moment outweigh the cons. I know that there's been mutual interest in a reunion. You know, Yedlin obviously playing with the Sounders uh, for a few years to really jumpstart his career. Um, 
it yeah it's just like uh at least for the time being that's not going to happen just because of the way this has, seattle feels about their current right back position um and i i, I know that they it's it's a mutual feeling so this will come at some point just not at the current moment and then on the 13th as a result of Seattle advancing to the final Seattle's home match against Vancouver on the 30th of this month has been moved to June 14th. Uh, so again, just like that Cincinnati match, I believe it was last week or maybe two weeks ago, the Sounders will have to move another match uh, with their continued success in CONCACAF Champions League play. On the 14th, general manager Garth Lagerway stated that the World Cup Cities announcement is supposed to come in mid-May. Um, so I know that with the news that Vancouver will be in play um, for a World Cup, uh, yes. Um, uh, that helps Seattle's case, you know, with the whole Pacific Northwest thing. But interested to see how that plays out, you know, with All-Star Week being held here with Major League Baseball. That's one thing uh, for the city. And it's, uh, you know, the success of the tourism there that it will draw in. Um but also the world cup, the world cup is the world cup and that would bring a lot of money into the city. Um, and it would be really interesting to see how that plays itself out. So interested to see how that goes when we hear about that announcement in mid may, the Sounders record now sits at two wins, one draw and three losses in MLS play. They sit at 11 in the Western conference. Um, and their next matchup is another MLS game, April 23rd at the San Jose Earthquakes. That is a seven o'clock start time. The Seattle Kraken continue their regular season, April 12th at the Calgary Flames on the road, losing that road game three to five for the game. Defenseman Adam Larson going one goal, one point, a one plus minus and three shots on goal with one hit and three blocks. It was Matty Beneers' debut. And in his debut, he was able to record an assist on Ryan Donato's goal. I believe that was the first goal of the game. Um, and so big there for Beniers to score his first point in his first NHL game. April 13th at the Winnipeg Jets was postponed due to a winter storm in Winnipeg. Um, so that game will take place on May 1st. The Kraken uh, will have their inaugural season extended uh, by a few days because the original last game of the season was supposed to be April 23rd against the San Jose Sharks. Um, but with the news about Winnipeg there, um, obviously it will extend a little bit. April 16th versus the New Jersey Devils, a 4-3 to three win in overtime in a shootout. Part of the game would be forward Matty Beneers with one goal, one point, three shots on goal, two hits, one block, and one takeaway, scoring his first NHL goal there in the second period that would give the Kraken a 3-2-2 lead at the time. So two games, two points, if you're following me, right? And then April 18th versus the Ottawa Senators, which took place last night, a 4-2 win. Player of the game would be forward Victor Rask with one rip, heh, Victor Rask with one goal and one assist, recording two points in 14 minutes of on-ice time. Um, Matty Beniers would score again in this game, again in the second period. Uh, so three games and three points for Beniers there. Exciting to really see um, him use a variety of talent um, in the time that he's had in the NHL so far. Um, and excited to just continue to see his overall development there. So no injury news. Um, I know that Hayden Flurry's back in the lineup. Jaden Schwartz might just ride out the season uh, as he was dealing with a uh, hand injury for the longest time. Um, 
But with that being said, there's some pretty decently important news here um, regarding the team as the Kraken will add Marshawn Lynch and Macklemore as minority owners of the team here. So on this uh, 18th, it was announced that the team uh, will join, uh, add Macklemore and Marshawn Lynch to the minority investor group of the NHL's 32nd franchise. Um, they will join the group that's led by founder and majority over David Bonderman and chairperson of the executive committee, Samantha Holloway. Uh, so Macklemore, a Grammy Award winner and quote-unquote lifelong Seattle native, um, Macklemore has been involved in the city for a decent amount of time um, and has used his platform to talk about racial and social justice issues. Uh, stated, I have so much love for our city. The Seattle teams that we root for bring our community together and unify the people in many ways. Our franchises define my childhood to the present. Uh, we rep our teams like no other city. To witness the energy around the Kraken in our inaugural season blew me away. Selling out an entire year first year in a brand new arena already set the tone of the legacy that is being created. I am just grateful to be part of history, grateful to usher in a new generation of sports fan and memories that will be made. I was a kid sneaking into the nosebleeds who made it to the owner suite and we are just getting started. Uh, Marshawn Lynch. I mean, if you don't know who Marshawn Lynch is, you might not be watching, watching, listening to the right show. Marshawn an all pro running back, a Super Bowl champion with the Seahawks, my favorite running back of all time, uh, known for his impact not only on the football field, but his uh, impact in the community here in Seattle, as well as his hometown of Oakland, California, using his platform for good and serving the underprivileged youth, um, including his fam first family foundation, which garnered him a 2018 Walter Payton Man of the Year nomination. He uh, still operates, operates, pardon me, Beast Mode brand and clothing. Uh, which had a location in Seattle, but unfortunately doesn't anymore. Marshawn stated on God, I've been part of a lot of things, but this is something I would have never imagined as a young hyena. I always dreamed of playing on a professional team, but owning one is something special. As I look back on some of my accomplishments, I retired before I was 30 and now being an owner of a professional club at the age of 35, I'm going to continue to count my blessings being a part of the Seattle Kraken is something big for me. It gives me another chance to get a ring after helping bring the first NFL one to the city. And if you thought I was going somewhere, not Seattle, I'm here, stand up. So, you know, to have Marsh on uh, both of these guys who have had such an impact, you know, on the city is really cool to have. Um, and it's just really interesting to see. I know that Macklemore said he'll be doing some, both, both of these guys said they'll be doing things in regard to the community. Uh, relating to the team. So exciting to see what they will continue to bring and add. And both of those guys um, were at the the game last night. Interestingly enough, in that game against Ottawa, uh, Nico Ladero was there. Jeff Nelson, former MLB uh, Mariners pitcher, was a Mariners player was there. Uh, I say Nico Ladero with the Sounders was there. The Seattle Seawolves were there. Um, and then four former Seahawks were there. Marshawn Lynch, Sidney Rice, Cam Chancellor, and Cliff Averill were all in attendance. So I don't know what was going on. But to see all everyone there was really cool. So the Kraken record now sits at 25 wins, 44 losses, and six overtime losses, resulting in 26 points, 26, 54 points. Uh, they still sit at eighth in the Pacific Division. That won't change. From what I understand, Seattle will not be able to be the worst team in the league by the time the season ends. So that's good to hear. Looking ahead, uh, the Kraken will play April 20th versus the Colorado Avalanche at 7 o'clock. 
April 26th at the Minnesota Wild at 5 o'clock, and then April 23rd at the Dallas Stars at 5 o'clock as well. Heading over to our O.L. Reign here, who played two more Challenge Cup matches over the past week. April 14th versus the San Diego Wave, a 3-1 win. Player of the game, North Bend native midfielder Nikki Stantiv. Stantiv? Stanton with one goal, one shot, and one foul sustained. Stanton recording her first NWSL goal in that game. And the Reign scoring three goals in 11 minutes, which was an NWSL record across all competitions but that record would be broken a few days later by the North Carolina Courage, who would score three goals in nine minutes. April 17th versus Angel City FC, a two-to-one win. Uh, player of the game would be midfielder and Kent native, former Washington Husky, Olivia Vanderyat with one goal, one shot, and one shot on goal, including the game winner in the final minute of stoppage time. So just to look at it here, on uh, the game of the 14th, Against San Diego, Vanderyat made her first career start in the NWSL, uh, recording an assist on a goal. I believe it was Bethany Balser's goal, and then scoring the game winner there. Uh, Olo has been incredibly nice. You know, I talked to Olivia Sakani before we recorded the interview with Olivia Vanderyat. Said that you know when Vanderyat was drafted, there's nobody nicer that it could have happened to, and couldn't be more right. You know, obviously a local kid. So here at Circling South Sports, we're biased, like seeing that Seattle lineage there. Um, But to see that and to see the impact that she's been able to make, she wasn't even supposed to start that game against Angel City because there's supposed to be Rose Lavelle. But Rose Lavelle was ruled out late with a illness. And to make the most of it, you know, it's really special to see and exciting to see what Ola will continue to do. I know Laura Harvey has said that she's worked so hard and has definitely made her stake in this team. So really exciting to see what Ola will continue to be able to do. Yes. Um, with this team here and injury news on the 13th, uh, our match report for the game against San Diego, Angelina was rolled out with a right ankle injury. Megan Rapino rolled out with a right calf Rapino. I don't know if we went over it last week, but she said that regular season is of the most importance to her. And she's not really worried about challenge cup. Uh, and then with all the international players coming back, uh, we have a long list of questionable players. Quinny was questionable, Jess Fishlock, Alana Cook, Sofia Huerta, Rose Lavelle, and Jimena Lopez, who's interesting enough, uh, Jimena Lopez's nickname is Jimmy. Kind of funny. Um, on the 17th, the match injury report against Andal City would be Angelina, right ankle, Zara King, right ankle King, suffered an injury in that game against San Diego, had to come out of that game, Laura Harvey, said that the injury was not as bad as they had thought it would be, but uh, we're still looking for more updates on Z um, and interested to see how she's able to recover from that ankle injury. And then Megan Rapino out with that right calf injury as well. So interestingly enough, about 30 minutes before um, this match against Angel City, I learned from Jacob Cristobal, who covers the rain with Rise of the Valkyries, who uh, works with Sounders at Heart, uh, Sounder at Heart, that Kristen Press, had been ruled out the day that before she was ruled out with COVID um, she had been questionable with a non COVID illness, which you think non COVID illness means that they've ruled out COVID, right? Then the next day she's announced out with COVID. Uh, We found out late that Rose Lavelle would be out with an illness. So hoping that that's not what I think it is and that that's able to be taken care of. 
uh, and that we see Rose sooner rather than later. In team-related news, on the 11th, the Reign signed draft picks Ryan Brown and Marley Canales as national team replacement players. So not full contracts, but getting them on the roster was important. And then April 16th, the team would sign Canales through the 2022 season. So like I said, you know, with Brown and Canales being signed to those national team replacement player contracts, not necessarily those full contracts, but Canales being rewarded there uh, on the 16th with that contract through the 2022 season. So uh, the rain sit at a four win, one draw record in the challenge cup, remaining undefeated, no losses so far, sending at first in the Western division, looking ahead, they will wrap up their challenge cup group play on April 23rd at the San Diego wave with a seven o'clock start time. So interestingly enough, with that win over Angel City, the rain uh, will play in the semifinal of the Challenge Cup. The only issue with that is that the game is going to be um, on May. Those semifinal matches, there will be two of them, will be hosted um, on May 4th at 5 o'clock or 7 o'clock. And if you remember, the Sounders will play the CONCACAF Champions League semifinal. No, CONCACAF Champions League final league two on May 4th at seven o'clock. So an issue there. Um, and I'm interested to see how that has worked around um, because I w- would hope that there's not too much of an issue with that. So the Seawolves heading over to the Seawolves here played April 16th versus the San Diego Legion, a really important game to continue to stay in the Western conference playoff race. And you're playing your division rival. I mean, playing your rival at home. Uh, the Seawolves will win that game 34 to 32 Seattle uh, scored three tries in the first half, really kind of got after it, played really well in the first half. Um, and then San Diego put up a fight and almost was able to get back into it. Uh, but the Seawall defense was able to hold strong at the end of it. Uh, record heading made a big stop. AJ Olatimo, I believe was able to kick the touch and the game ended. So Seattle was able to hold on there. Interestingly enough, our play of the game, Fly half, AJ Alatimu was perfect on his kicks, two for two on penalties and four for four on conversions. But San Diego missed three kicks. And you see there are two-point differential. That obviously plays a factor there. And considering the way that the Western Conference playoff race is, with one point, um, two points separating fifth place and third place, you know, obviously every point is important. Uh, so even allowing San Diego to get the 32 points is disappointing because they get a point up in the standings as well. So looking at team news here, the team signed loose forward, Andrew Dratolo on the 15th. He's been with the Seawolves in leagues prior and years prior. So he remains with Seattle. Their team record now sits at five and five. They sit at fourth in the Western conference with 27 points. Like I said, San Diego sits one above with 28 points. Um, and Houston sits at one below with 26. So looking at every game going forward is important. Um, and it was nice. Um, every game is going to be important down the stretch. Also considering that you play four playoff teams, three of them in the West and one of them in the East uh, to round out the season, Austin and LA on the road, you play Houston back here, I believe. Yeah. Houston's back here. And then, uh, New York, who's in the Western uh, Eastern Conference in the playoffs, and I believe that one's on the road. So every game is going to be important down the stretch. Looking ahead, you play next week against the two and seven Utah Warriors. 
um, on the 23rd with a seven o'clock start. Really important that you're able to take care of business against Utah, not only win the game, but hopefully get yourself some bonus points as well. So now we head over to our UW athletics over here. Nothing really going outside on uh, with anybody except for our baseball and softball team. So heading over to our baseball team here, who now sits at a 16 and 18 record, unfortunately. Um, do, 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 do. Played Oregon over the played Utah Valley and then Oregon over the past week. I believe we covered that Utah Valley game. So we're just going to go over the Oregon series, April 14th, 15th, and 16th, April 14th versus Oregon, uh, losing five to seven. Uh, in case you weren't aware by reading the record, UW got swept by Oregon in this series. So really disappointing there. Uh, player of the game in the five to seven loss, my apologies, um, would be catcher Johnny Tincher. Wait. Mm-mm-mm-mm. No, I'll go with shortstop Cam Clayton going one for fourth, one run, and one RBI. A uh, bunch of different candidates candidates here with uh, one RBI and uh, only two with one run, though. So we'll go with uh, Clayton there. April 15th, a 6-8 to eight loss to Oregon there. So you see these losses are close, but still disappointing to lose to Oregon, you know, anyway. Um, so player of the game in this one would be first baseman Will Simpson going two for four, three RBIs, and one walk. Um, Simpson's been productive throughout the year and even last year. And then the April 16th loss, a five to six loss. Um, Oops, went too far down. Let's go with center fielder McKay Barney going three for six with one run and one RBI. So, you know, really kind of unfortunate week and uh, frustrating week for the Huskies here, but no time for them to stew in it as they will play Oregon State. Oregon State has a really good baseball program. Uh, they will play Oregon State April 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Uh, April 22nd at 535 at Oregon State. Then in Corvallis, April 23rd at Oregon State, a 135 uh, first pitch. Then April 24th, a 105 start time. So let's just go ahead and check out Oregon State here in their baseball program. We know their softball program's good, and we'll get to that over here in a second with UW softball. But um, with Oregon State baseball, let's go ahead and check them out. And there's their their record here. They sit at 27 and 8, um, 10 and 5 in conference, 7 and 0 in neutral games. Yeah, not not looking too hot here. They they won a game on the 18th of March, 21 to nothing against Arizona State. So uh, that will be something to keep an eye on. So heading over to UW softball here, who now boasts a 25 and 11 record, played an important series in conference um, against Oregon State, number 19 overall Oregon State, uh, number 19 ranked in the country, um, April 14th through 16th, April 14th versus Oregon State. These are a home, by the way, it was a 4-2-3 win. Um, we will take a look at that. Third of the game, second baseman and freshman Kinsey Fiedler going one for one with a run and three RBIs while also going with a walk. Um, April 15th versus uh, Oregon State, a two to one win. Do, 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 do. So you see these games are really close, really important. And, you know, after a tough start in two series in conference play, it was really important to get this one against Oregon State. 
uh, player of the game shortstop uh, Bailey Klingler going two for three with two RBIs in that game in that April 15th, two to one win. And then to finish out the weekend and get the sweep of Oregon state on April 16th, a three to two win in extra innings here. Um, do, 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 do. Player of the game shortstop uh, Bailey Klingler, once again, going two for four with one run and two RBIs. So uh, UW gets an important sweep over Oregon state. As you look, um, you know, at conference play at least, um, and it's funny enough, the next team they'll play Oregon is now ranked um, uh, number 19. So two Oregon teams then sharing the number 19 rank over the last two weeks. And then and we do have something in team news for you um, for UW softball. Kelly Lynch wins a weekly award. Lynch was named the Pac-12 Pitcher of the Week after tallying a career high 15 strikeouts and a complete game victory over Oregon State. So uh, UW, the softball team will play a three-game series against Oregon over the upcoming weekend, April 22nd at Oregon with a 7 o'clock start down in Eugene, April 23rd at Oregon with a 5 o'clock start down in Eugene, and April 24th at Oregon uh, with a 3 o'clock start. So that is your past week in Seattle sports. Um, We look forward to, you know, now having credentials with the Mariners and the Storm um continuing to try to do new stuff you know if you don't follow us on social media instagram at circling seattle sports twitter circling sports uh facebook circling seattle sports don't need to do any uh at on that one just put in circling seattle sports with the spaces um i know that there are other shows out there that try to do what they do but they really just aren't us and they really do not provide you with the original content and accurate um coverage of these teams you know they really they just aren't us. That's, you know, so with that being said, until we see you next week, take care of yourself, be well, and do your best to make today a great day. Baba Bowie.